I'm Seth. And I'm Scott. And we are Trackwalking. Tonight we're going to talk about off-season because it feels to me like we are firmly in the off-season. And since Scott and I live 1,200 miles apart, off-season means different things. So I'm going to I'm going to mash up Scott's brain about what off-season means in the land of proper snow. And I'm going to whine about the fact that it actually snowed one time yesterday and how that makes every, me feel like it's off-season. Every single Texan I know is really complaining right now. That's because it actually snowed and it, and it interrupted our lives very briefly. Yeah. Uh, it was terrible. I feel very, very bad for you. So yesterday uh, I had to go pick up some more race bikes that I had you purchased. You had to. Pre- I had, well, I purchased, I had, I had already to. paid for them. I paid for them like two <laughs> weeks ago. So I kind of had to go get them because when I, when I bought them, I bought too many motorcycles to bring home the first time with my truck and trailer. Hey Seth. Yeah. How many motors bike, how many motorcycles did you buy? How many did I buy? We yeah. The, buy. the fact that you just, you're stalling for time because you <laughs> don't know how many you bought off the top of your head because you bought so many. No, I think, well, it's it's funny because not all of them went to my house, but I think the number was nine. So That's that a is, lot of bikes. That is somebody previously owned nine motorcycles that I had to take home. Had to. Had to. Well, I bought them, so I had to take them home. I couldn't just pay for them and leave them there. That would be ridiculous. Well, you had to buy them, though. Yeah, was, but I mean. The deal was but, too good. It, it really was a spectacular deal but two of them two of them are going to my friend Derek's house I have to go after the show I actually have to go drop one off because it's so cold and I don't know if the bike has water or antifreeze in it and it's so cold we have to put it in a garage tonight and unfortunately I don't have room in my garage for another motorcycle so it's easier to just drive it over to his house and drop it off tonight you're gonna have to get one of those garage pulleys setups where you hook the bike on and you rappel it up to the ceiling to create more space yeah i'm kind of to the point where the the whole the back part of my garage where my lift is um i built it so it's got like 16 foot ceilings back there so i could have put a big lift in if i had like money and motivation but i put my tiny little max jacks in which has been enough for what i want but the max jacks will only lift so the top of your car is like maybe i don't know 10 feet tall Maybe. That's not bad. But that means I've got all this space above it, right? So I could build like a motorcycle loft. I just don't know how to get the motorcycles up to the loft without buying a forklift. And I don't know how buying a forklift will go uh, like from a financial and marriage standpoint. I feel like this is an opportunity though to do um, an obstacle course. So you create half of a loft and then a series of ramps that you have to <laughs> drive up on the motorcycle to get them there. And we get we get it'll be like a loft only for trials bikes. That's what's yeah. gonna happen. Sure. Ah, uh, so this is our off season talk is me building a motorcycle loft. That would actually be a good off season project. Well it'd be cleaner than what I'm doing. What which are you doing? So it's far more grease. So it's off season for you. What is, other than the fact that it's snowing and there's no events because it's snowing, what does off season mean in Scott's part of the world? 
See, and, and I immediately like do the 50,000 foot view. For me, off season is a time to recuperate because on every single level, financially recuperate, um, sleep energy wise, um, you know, be around the house, get some housework done, just relax, feel like we don't have to be going anywhere or really like actively planning anything. And during the season, you guys just kind of burn it all down. Like not, not as much as others do, but like into the season comes and I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) Like just existentially, physically, definitely financially. Um, it's, I mean, racing takes it out of you and we're only doing one, one and a half events every month. Um, so some, some months will have two events, some uh, months will have only one. And we didn't even have the one lap of America this year. And how long is your season? So if you say, if you say like one, one to one and a half events a month, how many events total is that? Uh, we typically start at the beginning of April and we go typically to the very beginning of October, but that got shifted backwards this year. So we started really early May and we ended early November. So So usually like seven months, I just had to count that on my fingers because I'm bad at seven months. Yeah. So we do. So like 10 ish events, something like that. Right around there. Um, and for us, you know, that <laughs> that means driving our race car hours <laughs> right. to, you know, the event, which on its own is exhausting, uh, certainly right. can be in the heat and whatnot. So it's just, it's a time like I'm, I'm actually, as much as I want to keep driving and I want to keep racing, I am, I am grateful for the off season. It's, it's something that I need as much as I may not really like it or um, I may want to go racing again it's integral to keep my I think keep my passion alive for what we're doing yeah I I feel that because we don't have off season here I, I told yeah, you I, I wanted, wanted to do to an off season show yeah I told you I wanted to do an off season show and I felt like today was the day because uh it's it snowed last night and I'm like cool that was off season it happened because yeah. the reality is we rode motorcycles on Saturday it was cold but we yeah. rode motorcycles anyway and we we will ride uh motorcycles at the track again by Friday um so our our off season is less than a week long yeah <laughs> and and one of the bikes I brought home from uh, from the guy I bought them from this weekend is a motorcycle that's going to be the endurance bike for my daughter and the other kids on her team. So immediately I have a project um, that's not a bike that I'm going to race. I'll, of course, ride the Dickens out of it because how else do you test it properly? But, right. Um, um, so I have a project that I feel suddenly I feel like a great sense of responsibility about. And so all of a sudden today, I feel like today is the start of the new season. 
because I've taken on this great responsibility to to provide this bike for these kids that will will show up to events and it will be it'll be there it'll be reliable it'll have all the spares it'll be legal um, which there's some questions as to whether or not it's legal for the class they want to be in right now um, and so that was the the turning point where I feel like all of a sudden I'm in the next season um, and I hadn't felt like that until really today when I went out and wove my way through the the maze of motorcycles in my garage to get to that particular one and went, all right, this is real now. This is the next season. Um, I got to do this thing. And I think the off season seems to generally revolve around the actual weather location of wherever you are. And when I lived down in Florida for three years, it was genuinely disorienting because (laughs) it went from warm to super hot and just back to warm. I mean, as cold as it ever got while I was down there, I think was like high 40s. And I was a teacher at the time, and my students were coming in in parkas and, like, had (laughs) blankets around their laps as we were having class. It was just just bizarre to me um, that most of them hadn't seen snow, and, like, I snow ski and, like, have driven in snow. It's it's very weird, but the, the hardest thing for me was just the sense of time those three years I lived down there was very, very different. I, on a monthly basis, like time just seemed to go and there weren't really any markers for it. The sun might stay out a little bit longer. It might be hotter, but we didn't, like the leaves didn't fall off the trees. You didn't have the ebb and flow of things that you could do to other things that now you can do. It was just this year-round weird loop that never ended, and yes. which which to me lends itself to almost this American idea that you have to work all the time because you can. I don't know what since you live in one of those climates and have for quite a while. What's how how do you keep like that sense of I don't want to say balance, it's not the right word, but that sense of like cadence and annual rhythm. Well, for me, it's been a little little easier for me. For the last 13 years or so, um, we've gone to to Michigan in the summertime. So I have a cottage on the, the very northern shore of Lake Michigan. And so my kids and I would spend anywhere between six weeks and maybe 10 weeks up there in the summertime. And that's... It's not quite the same as seasonality, but at least it gave a distinct break to the year. And beyond that, I, I, and it, it kind of worked like that this year anyway, even though we didn't go to Michigan because of COVID stuff. Um, the fact that I still have kids in school means there is a forced seasonality to the world. So my, my schedule changes and what we're doing changes based on the the rhythms of the school year and my kids um so even though it's not it it drives me insane that that i don't have a a seasonality link to the weather um i know exactly what you mean 
uh, it just kind of is the world incessantly rolls on, which yeah. provides the, the benefit of, you know, our autocross season down here, they kind of take a pause in, somebody will correct me, I think August, like the, the month of August, they don't have an event. Um, a hot month. The hot month, because making people stand in a parking lot in, in August is in Houston is a super bad thing to do. And then they they double up. They have we'll have a double event in like October where we have an event on Saturday and an event on Sunday. And that makes up for it. But our autocross season is 12 events long. Um, and during that time, there's almost always like if you did uh, SCCA or NASA road racing, I think there's events during that whole time in the summer. And certainly, certainly the motorcycle racing season, um, summer is preferable, weirdly. Um, motorcycle racers don't seem to care about heat. We just sort of deal with it. And we race in the warmer months because the it's better to be hot and have to deal with the heat than be cold and have to deal with tires not working well. And you know, you got in a car and you're like, whoa, it's slippery out here today. And you go on a bike and you go, whoa, I fell over. And it's uh, right. it, the, the consequences of being slippery are different. So they would rather take consistent, consistent track heat over the fact that it just beats your body to death. Um, I mean, uh, I don't like being hurt. That seems reasonable to me. Yeah. So motorcycle season is actually seasonal down here, and there's not a whole lot that goes on. Um, really, like November, December, January, kind of those three months, the the formal activities tend to slow down. And yet, you have found a way to just keep going. <laughs> yeah, because we do. I mean, there's. I don't know how many track days there are. Like like big bikes on big tracks do track days the same as cars do, right? You rent out, organizations rent out the track and they do big track things. Um, little bikes is much less formal than that. We tend to just have memberships or day passes to a track, to a cart track that has open stuff. So we just kind of go riding, which um, would kind of be amazing if you could do that with a car. Just have the track be open on the weekend to sessions and just be like, yeah, we're going to go out and do loops. I mean, can you imagine if Gingerman was like that and any any weekend they didn't have formal events or on the weekday, you're like, yeah, we're going to go do a couple sessions, knock out a few sessions at Gingerman and then come home. Yeah, I, I know I know some people treat uh, public roads like uh, like that kind of thing. They go do a toge run or you know, a little mountain pass or something like that, which... Which I totally get, like within reason. Um, some of the larger events can certainly be a bit more sketchy, let's say. Yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> I don't, I don't like the risk profile of of public road stuff because you and I have both driven enough track miles in cars to know that there's no, there is no responsible way to approach that same level the same level on the road that you do on a track you have to hold back yeah i agree totally um and so once you kind of get i I meet people i used to meet people a lot when autocrossing like oh well you know i drive i drive fast on the street and and i always said to them okay cool you either 
are a terrible human being or you don't know what fast is yet. Those are, those are the only two options because once we teach you to go actually fast, you'll realize that you can't do this on the road because it's, it's dangerous and you definitely shouldn't be doing it. Do you find that there's a need for an off season? Because everybody in the track community, whether it's bikes or cars or whatever discipline you're doing, just preaches seat time. The more you do, the better of a feel you can get for the car, the more car control and awareness you can have. It's just kind of preached that the more you can put your butt into a seat of a car or onto the tiny, tiny seat that is a motorcycle, that um, you're going to become better, hopefully. I th- I think that's true. I mean, I, I don't think there's any reasonable replacement for driving more, whether that's real driving or sim driving or, or something. Um, people, for the most part, people with more laps are better drivers. There, there are some exceptions for the fact that, you know, you have, you have people that are, I hate to say exceptionally talented because that's such a, talented is such a weird word. Usually people who are really, really talented have, what we think of as talented, have a background that gives them, uh, parallel experience. So they've done something else that gives them experience forward. But even so, if you put two people that are that have an equal level of talent and then you go forward from that, the person who does more laps will get better. Sure. Um, as a general rule. And so I think that's true, but I don't think I don't think those laps have to all be in the same seat. And I think there's a lot of benefit to them not being in the same seat. And I think that's where an off-season comes into play. Does you know what I'm you know what I'm saying with that? Like yeah. the, our buddies in Wisconsin do ice racing in the winter, right? Sure. So their off-season is a race season, and just different kind. Just different kind. And in, as far as motorcycling goes, this is our off-season. But my daughter hasn't been on what was her race bike this year in two months probably she's been riding other motorcycles the entire time sure um which is kind of a bummer because she's sort of like super gotten into what was my extra bike so i haven't been able to ride that for two months because she's like no i'm taking that one out and she just rides my bike all the time right now Mm. um but it's making it is making her a better motorcyclist because she's working on a different skill set. She's going out and practicing sliding the front of the bike, um, pushing it until the front slides, and then saving it and playing with tire pressure and you know going. If I add two psi to the front, how does that affect the front sliding? And doing some stuff that is actually beyond my skill set currently. Um, I don't go out and push the front until it slides because it's super scary. Um, yeah, I was trying to work that through in my head as you were talking about it, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I have ridden a motorcycle, so the front slides, but for me, it's it's almost always accidental. Like, I pushed that too hard, and the bike that she's riding, the XR100 that she's riding, is extremely forgiving. Um, you can slide the front of the bike, 
and it will catch itself and you can stand it back up and it will be fine. And um, so it makes it a really, really good training tool for that. Um, that sort of thing. And also the fact that she weighs half what I weigh makes the motorcycle dynamics quite a bit different. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, that that's it. So, so she is becoming a better motorcyclist, not riding her race bike, but riding a different bike. And I think from a car standpoint, like, I don't know. I wish like ice racing is another thing. All those guys say ice racing, you know, go do a season of ice racing and that makes you better. Ice racing doesn't exist everywhere because that level right. of ice doesn't exist everywhere. Um, but I feel like there's got to be something in cars. Well, there doesn't have to be, but, but if there were something in cars, if there's something in your area that, that allows you to get some sort of seat time, that's not race car seat time. It it's beneficial. When I think that's, part of the reason why sim racing has become so prevalent is because you can put your butt in so many other cars um, dynamically anyway and put yourself on so many new racetracks so many new situations and still get that uh, sensation of how fast do I need to turn the steering wheel on this kind of corner what happens if I'm a little bit quicker on my brake release? Like you can still play and adapt with all of these things in the off season while you're while it is snowing outside, and right. you can't do that on public roads. Um, I see a lot of people going karting, go karting. Uh, yeah, and which is, you know. I don't want to say an entirely different discipline, but just so much faster in terms of reaction time and more visceral um, with the feedback that the cart gives you that it's almost, it's almost a different sport virtually. Yeah. Um, It's, it's, it's a thing. I've been doing more of that. Uh, Well, now that I'm getting better, I'll be back doing more of that, but even um, there's the the son of one of the owners of the track uh, is a is a Red Bull uh, car athlete. He ran Formula Four on the Red Bull Junior team this year, and he will be running uh, Formula Three with a Red Bull team next year. And right. when he was home, he was driving carts at the track, um, which is incidentally the most baller thing you can do is show up in your Red Bull driving suit with your Red Bull helmet to go drive carts around and not just like a Red Bull suit, but like your Red Bull suit. Um, So, and of course he was wicked fast, but you know, even he's doing some level of, of cross training, different stuff um, to keep himself sharp and to work on skill sets and things like that. Yeah. It's quite the flex. Just walk in (laughs) and do your your local karting place. (laughs) Jeez. And the the motorcycle riders I know do that too. Um, like the guy, I, I feel like I'm freaking name dropping here, but the the guy I know that that runs uh, World Superbike, um, he's back riding, doing a bunch of stuff, but but just riding a Yamaha R3 around the kart tracks, just putting in laps and laps and laps and working on things and practicing sliding the bike and and doing that stuff until he wrecked it. Well, wrecked it bad enough that he wrecked it because he crashes it all the time. That's sort of his 
training thing is to figure out where the limit is because the your speeds are so much lower and the consequences are so much lower than crashing a world superbike that somebody else owns and so he practices a bunch of stuff on on the car track rather than you know big bikes um so I feel like everything we've talked about, though, up to this point has really been about how to keep doing the something at least similar enough to driving that it we're able to continue it year round. But do you think there's a benefit and a virtue to actually not doing it for a while, actually taking time off and going snow skiing or boarding or mountain biking or reading I, I don't know like just doing something else even if it's not literally putting your butt in the seat of something that you race or can focus on racing yeah but I think it depends on what you're trying to do I mean if the, the people who are trying to get better at racing are always doing something to get better at racing. And that's different than keeping the passion for racing alive, which is mm. something that I think requires mental off time. Like you have to want to come back to it, um, especially when you've been doing it for a long time. You've been racing for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years I think a little bit of downtime helps you or can help you reignite passion for the sport uh, reignite passion for the sport whereas it's not necessarily making you better at it it's just making you want to do it more um, but I think it's beneficial so maybe it depends on where you are. Like, like if you're burnt, if you get to the end of the season, like you do, and you're and you're burned out, like you are just frazzled, and you're like, I need to rest. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I'm burnt out, but I need I need like a solid month off. A okay, solid month. But could you jump right into a parallel hobby? Could you could you park the Miata in the garage and pick up a mountain bike and be hitting mountain bike trails the next weekend passionately for the next two months? I mean, snow being an issue, but but for instance, uh, maybe the it wouldn't be that particular sport for me, but it you know I used to snow ski uh, quite a bit was fairly excited to go do that sort of thing or at least like weightlifting or something like that to you know stay physically active but to yeah just do something different now I think part of that for me like you were mentioning is not doing enough of that during the race season that during the race season I'm pretty not not all the time for sure but i'm pretty focused on you know getting to the event doing the best that we can at the event getting back and then it's a lot of times even before we leave the track i'm trying to think of what i need to do before the next event to get the car ready again and then we get home 
I try to get a good night's worth of sleep and then start working on the car and planning and preparing to make that next event happen. So there's not a lot of the mental downtime for me. At least the way I have been doing it. Do you think your other hobbies get, or any hobbies you might have, just get pushed to the side? Yeah, I think so. Um, Are are you okay with that? um, Probably not. Um, (laughs) But I, you know, one, we don't, as a culture, we don't seem to practice... And again, like the, this word balance keeps coming to mind, but that's totally not what I'm talking about. I'm really not interested in balance. I'm interested in really in health more than anything and what that looks like. And for me, that looks like taking a not 100% racing focused approach to racing. I can't do it. Okay. As much as I love racing and I love cars, um, I can't wake up thinking about cars, eat lunch thinking about cars, go to, go to bed and dream about cars. I, I can't do that. So I think even in the midst of a race season, having other things that you do not just to keep you in racing or to keep you in cars, but that just helps you stay healthy, stay, helps you keep mentally sharp and physically fit, uh, whether that's eating good, going out with friends and, you know, kind of getting that community vibe. It's you, You've got to do something else other than this no days off mentality, I think, that really I think like you said just wholly leads to burnout yeah uh, um, and that's something even I remember Tomo mentioning when he was deeply involved in the sim racing world towards the beginning of 2020 when he was just sim racing all the time and took it so seriously and he just kind of for the sake of himself he just had to like set it aside yeah, there's a there seems to be a, a cultural fascination with the people that are a hundred percent all in on something. You know, yes. whether it's the dude who's a hundred percent in on rally or a hundred percent in on road racing, and we, at a distance, we look at that and go, "That would be amazing." Like, I wish I could be that guy who was a hundred percent in. And I wonder, we should find somebody who's like that. Do we know anybody like that? And it's it's an an old Irish curse to tell somebody, you know, may all your dreams come true so that you can realize the abject horror <laughs> of reaching them. You you want to be a driver who takes only driving seriously in your life? Well, once you get there, let's talk again about if that's something that you really want, because I don't think that it is. Yeah. And and I always talk, I, I had, I've told this story before, I had a friend one time who was like, man, I would love to be a pro driver. And I was like, 
dude, I really, really do not think I would love to be a pro driver. I would love to be on the track with pro drivers, but only because I was like, you know, I happen to be fabulously wealthy and I wrote a check and now I get to drive with you guys. But the, sure. the, um, the amount of work it looks like to be in, in dedication and everything, even what Tamo went through, like he's on, as much as anything else, he's on more than anybody I know. And that looks exhausting. Yeah. Yeah, driving In a way that I don't want to do it. Yeah, it seems like driving at that level is so much less driving. And it's so much marketing and social connection and interviews and making phone calls and sending emails to sponsors and partners and uh, working out and eating, right? And it's all to spend, you know, that really relatively small fraction time of their time actually in the driver's seat. That makes me wonder what, like, what is a pro off-season? Like, is there a pro off-season or is it just... And if that's changed over the 30, 40 years, I think right. from what I understand of, you know, F1 certainly in the 70s and things like that, uh, off-season was really an off-season. Yeah, sure, you might go do some carts and you might go do some test drives for a new, uh, for a magazine or an auto manufacturer or something like that. But now I'm I'm not sure if there is an off-season. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't sound fun. That makes, that makes, it, <laughs> makes me sad. I want there to be an off-season. I do, I want there to be downtime um in some way and i don't know i don't know why other than because i grew up you know i grew up in michigan very close to where you live right now and so i feel like that that natural rhythm of seasons and that natural changing of things is just is a natural way to be although we know from human evolution we tended to evolve in places that didn't have seasons like that anyway they had you know like a rainy season and a dry season but like sure. humans, like our naked selves didn't involve or didn't evolve someplace like West Michigan. It's, no. <laughs> no, we we definitely came from someplace warmer, but it's uh, culturally and uh, yeah, primarily culturally, we came from an area, came from a place that had seasons. And so we grew up with it and it feels normal and it feels regular and and not having that is something that I that I miss um, and I'm definitely missing right now although I've got this one cold day where I'm sitting up in my upstairs bedroom recording this podcast and I'm like it's actually cold outside this is it this is winter it's happening today <laughs> I know we we had a different topic originally planned for today and you're like nope we we really need to talk about this it's like Let's yeah, I, I feel I feel passionate about off season during the winter, which is happening today. Literally, this is the only time <laughs> we can do it. Literally today, because it's going to be I think it's going to be up into the sixties by this weekend, and we're going to go ride motorcycles on track again. Well, it's probably something that I can try to do better with this year. Is you know, and for me, I'll probably need to schedule it. Like I'll actually need to put it into my calendar, but just to have time every week to do something specifically that's not 
race car related just for me yeah not not for anybody else just whether it's you know going on you know it's hard to even go out and do anything right now too which is kind of part of (laughs) part of (laughs) yeah part of the problem um but just going out and trying to do something different to take care of myself so that I'm not only, you know, mentally sharper, more aware, but that, you know, I can stay truly focused on the race car stuff and stay passionate about it. And I think ultimately for me, for me, it would still mean being a better race car driver, I think, were I to be able to do that better. Yeah, as you said that, my brain, very briefly, I thought, you know, outside of my wife and my kids, my immediate family, I don't. I don't really have <laughs> friends that aren't associated with racing either motorcycles or cars. And I wonder if that's maybe a <laughs> limiting thing. Maybe I should have other friends. Have, have you seen that, that cartoon where there's this guy standing in the corner just with a, a drink in hand and everybody else is talking to each other? And you can, of course, you know, put any any quote you want to at the very bottom but this one in particular says what it feels like when I go to a party and nobody there speaks car <laughs> yeah that's about right but I get it. yeah because in, in the other I guess the other part is because I don't work outside the home um, I feel like work is sometimes a, a way that a lot of people get uh, some sort of social contact that's not related to cars. And so you sure. have have that. And um, I will say for the, for the five or six months that I worked at a shop in this past year before uh, my buddy fired me, which I'll call him out on air for that. Yeah, COVID happened. Yeah, the shop slowed down. Still fired me. Um, <laughs> we'll get him on the show sometime and I'll pick on him about that. Yeah. But um I I really did that was that was other than the mechanical aspect of it because I really enjoyed fixing things that I didn't know how to fix. Um the there there was a significant social aspect of it where I talked to people that weren't uh car people. Um there was a there was a guy in the shop for almost 3 weeks who was painting a mural uh on the wall. And I got to talk to somebody who, like, he asked us questions about cars. And we asked him questions about painting. And it was like this whole anthropology study between mm. him and us. And it was, cool. it was really, really neat. And um, there are times when, like, the only people I talk to are racers that I, I miss that sort of other interaction. And not that I don't love all my race friends. I really do. Um, but when you're talking about a thing that was just for you and wasn't for racing, I was like, that's where you could have other friends. That would be amazing. Or, you know, you you start talking with your race car friends about other things. You could do that, too. <laughs> I mean, that's... that's it's, it's, it's hard to, like, test those, those bounds and those <laughs> limits to see... You know, can right. I can I talk about my family around this race car person? I'll have to do like things like learn their last names. 
things like that. Ooh. That would be Ugh. That sounds <laughs> sounds like work. I know, right? There's some of my best friends where they're in my phone as like uh, Steve the mechanic guy because he's a car mechanic. Like, you know, it's because I don't know their last names. Like, I love this guy. Text him all the time. It's fine. No idea what his last name is. No, he's married. No idea what his wife's name is. Any of that stuff. Right. I mean, the the good friend you you're you're Scott Robertson. But uh, my very good friend of mine at the car track is maybe Scott. Because yep. for a long time, I was pretty sure his name was Scott, but I wasn't 100% sure his name was Scott. Yep. And uh, we talked eh, twice a week, and I was only mostly sure his name was Scott for like four months. <laughs> yeah. So what about you? What's What's something that you could change or something that you could add or take away that you think would help the ebb and flow of the year for you Uh, I wish I had another hobby I wish I I mean I really I think that's the thing that I miss most about snow and you talk about snow skiing I snow skied from we used to do it a little bit as a family when I was a kid Um, but when I was in high school a junior in high school I, I took up snow skiing and telemark skiing in particular and I skied from the time that I was like 17. I skied every winter from then until I moved to Texas, which uh, in the grand scheme of things isn't that long. It's really only like eight years. But when you're 22 years old, when you've been skiing every winter for the last eight years, that seems like the bulk of your life. Yeah. And and so the fact that that was a thing that you could do and then couldn't do and then could do again um it it gave me a a significant longing a looking forward to of the next season you know like as it got cold as the leaves fell off like there's this thing and it's coming and i get to do it and i love doing it um and in college uh as well as rock climbing i ice climbed and i will tell you yep. that i was a rock climber but most passionately i was an ice climber um huge love for the the formations and the fact that they were always different and they were a bit unpredictable and they were kind of dangerous in a way that rock climbing wasn't because they would, you know, things would fall. And, and, and so I, I loved, like there was in, in Houghton, Michigan, I went to, to Michigan tech, there was a place North of there called cliff drive and there would be ice formations that would form there every winter. Some pretty big gnarly ice formations that we would climb. It was a combination of ice and rock. And I remember as it got cold, we would drive up there just to see if the ice was in. Just to see if it was getting to the point where we could climb. And that was exciting. Um, going, I will be able to do this thing as soon as the ice is there. And and realistically, right now, um, as much as I love my current hobbies, um, there's nothing that's like that. I don't even have a, you know, a drive over to Gingerman and realize there's snow on the track. Right. And sort of look at it with snow on the track and go in, in two months, there won't be snow there and I can drive on it again. Um, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. But I, I miss I miss looking forward to something that is controlled by whims other than human beings. 
if that makes sense. Because everything, like race season is who decides when races start and when, you know, race season starts and stops. Yeah. That's It's purely in the South like this, that's purely a human construct. Well, I think that's something that, you know, we've heard enough the last 10 years or so about um, other sports like stick and ball sports, how important having downtime and rest time is and how important cross training is. Right. That you're still doing something physical. You're still training. But like if your sport is hockey to take up long distance running or to take up basketball I, I don't know what whatever other sport you want to insert in there that's important to have rest days it's important to treat your body and yourself right but it's also important to do something else uh, whether it's per season or per month or per week whatever it is that um, having a mix in there and not just dedicating yourself to one specific thing all the time is just it's going to be better for you is there something in the race car world that's like that because in the motorcycle world the the almost cliche thing is that that road racers race motocross like in the off season whenever they can to the point where you know one of the the very classic things is when Valentino Rossi broke his leg riding motocross and lost races, you know, lost part of a season and the number of MotoGP riders that have broken themselves in the off season makes it so that their, their contracts are such that you can only ride motocross so often because they hurt themselves because it's, it's almost cliche. Like they do that so much. Like you, you road race motorcycles and then for fun, you go ride motorcycles in the dirt. Um, and I don't know, and, and it's it's to the point where even in amateur racing, right? Like my my daughter and I went and did a bunch of trail riding before things got super wet here, um, and now it's just riding in the mud, which nobody likes to do. Um, but yeah, that that was one of the things that was our off season thing is put knobbies on the bikes um, and go ride in the woods. And I'm trying to th- think, like in amateur race car driving, is there a is there an other thing? I think that's a great question to throw it to anybody who's listening. Uh, what yeah. is the thing that track drivers are really tell share uh, your what you like to do during the season and what you do when you're not doing that? Whether it's you know whether you're in a climate where you could do it year round or if you have a forced weather off season, what what do you do? How do you spend your time? Because uh, I don't think anybody does it quite the same. No, yeah, and I want to know what people do, and and I might I might honestly be mining people's ideas for something else that I can do with my time. Um, we are we are not gurus. <laughs> we we no. definitely do not have all the answers. So that would be yeah. No, I'd be super interested because I think like you, I think I could definitely use some uh, some inspiration here. Yeah, more fun. I want more fun. Well, I guess let us know. Uh, Instagram and Facebook at Trackwalking Podcast. The Trackwalking Chats group on Facebook is up and running as well. If you've got some thoughts or insights or want to chat or whatever you want, we're uh, we're there talking. 
And um, yeah, I'm totally taking your job because you let us in. <laughs> I should have made you do all that. <laughs> no, you're good at this part. I can never remember. I'm always like, I think we have some social media something, maybe. But you Stuff. guys should check that out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm Seth. And I'm Scott. And we are track walking. See you next week. <laughs>